Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. X-Ray Vision Part 02 by Elaine Mature Kang is sweet on her. Greg opens up. Dear reader, I'm gratified at the feedback from the first chapter in the series. The most positive response on anything I've written. With that comes some anxiety over the second installment. Will it measure up? Did I lose the plot, the thing that made the first one so appealing? Especially since I changed the viewpoint halfway through. Moving away from the interesting character, the one with the superpowers. To his girlfriend Jillian dot a lot of potential to illustrate not only how he does what he does, but how it looks from the outside, to somebody who's getting to know him, and the potential to lose your interest. If that happens, let me know. Feedback is this author's best tool for getting better, and I thank all of you for the helpful remarks and encouragement. EM. Here. Greg held out a key, on a seashell keyring. What is this for? Jillian took it, admired the shell, looked up curiously. The condo. Nervous. You live here, right? You need to be free to come and go. That was fast. Usually it takes at least a fourth or fifth date before a couple moves in together. Blushing. I may have rushed it a bit. You think? We meet, I walk over here, eat your food, sack out in your spare bedroom an hour later. Two days on, we're a couple. Some kind of land speed record. She saw that I was terribly embarrassed, steeped forward, hugged me. Thank you, this is nice, I appreciate your trust. I'll need the key once I'm coming and going to work. I patted her back, awkward. Reminds me, let's go check on your clothes. So we can burn that outfit. Jillian looked down at herself, made a face. I'm sick of this stuff. It's from my old life. And not very nice to begin with. She was wearing tourist clothes from the strip, bought her first day so she could go clubbing. Loud, cheap, ill-fitting, not even very sexy. Since she tried on her first bespoke suit, Jill had not felt right wearing off the rack. But suits were not appropriate for every day. She looked troubled. Am I getting too precious? Nothing but the best for me now. She was concerned about this change in herself, that was important to face. Kang's clothes do feel better, fit better. You'd be a fool not to notice. And you look better too. It helped get you a kick-ass job. She was still uncomfortable, being lower class all her life and suddenly enjoying comforts she'd never imagined. But who was I to tell her how to feel? Her self-image was her own. I could tell her how I felt, that was fair. I like the person you become, when you put on your power suit. She grinned, punched me. So you secretly want a powerful woman to tell you what to think? As long as it's you, sure. That worked. Self-doubt time was over. She began to get ready to leave the condo. Doubt we clambered down the long porch stairs to the beach, struck out across the strand. Out a few tourists out. Not many this early. Young people stayed up late and got up late. Just a mom and her two youngsters. Mom resting on a towel. Kids poking around with bucket dash and dash shovel. As we passed, we heard her say, "Shit." Jillian stopped. Can we help? I took another step. Stopped. Waited. She noticed us. Shook her head. Misplaced my room key. Kids probably playing with it. They grab anything shiny. Think it's a toy. She got up to go through her beach bag. Turned over the towel, getting more frustrated by the second. Jillian looked at me. Hey, big guy, see anything that might help? I glanced at her bag and I knew the key wasn't there. Not in the towel, not anywhere in the sand around her. Not on her person. The kids didn't have it either. Bucket and shovel but no key. There. About six inches down, halfway to where the kids were sitting, buried in a hole. Kids, I moseyed over, kicking at the sand, pretending to look. Reached down when I got to it, plunged my hand in the wet sand, dredged up the car key. This it? She came over, took it, turned it over. Yes. Thank you. I would never have found it. Just lucky, I guess. We walked on. Jill impulsively leaned over, gave me a peck on the cheek. What's that for? I want to give you positive feedback. Every time you do something nice for somebody. My new policy. I smiled. I could get behind that program. I absently picked up quarters as we went along. Jill took them from me, put them in a pocket. Laundry money, she had said in explanation. The condo had a laundry room. It was a nuisance to keep change around for the machines. By the time we got to the boardwalk, she had a pocket jangling. 
The beach was littered with lost change. Usually I wouldn't bend over for a quarter. But for Jill I could be bothered. As we climbed up the steps. You're behind about 40 kisses. She looked at me quizzically, then brightened, remembering. You get those all at one go. She decided, turning to face me, putting her arms around my neck, offering her face for a serious smooch. I took my time, getting my 40 kisses worth. Two teen boys bounding down the steps from the strip hollered. Get a room. On the way past, laughing, friendly. I finished, parted lips, looked at her face, a picture of contentment, eyes still closed. After a moment she let me go, continued walking as if nothing had happened. Having a girlfriend was pretty nice. Casual affection was like a drug, and I was an addict. Kane greeted us on arrival. Fuang was out, off playing by Choi at the Senior Citizen Center in Vietnam Town. What can I do for you? She was eyeing Jill's outfit, clearly unhappy she was still wearing it. We were hoping you might have somehow finished some of Jill's clothes. She wants to burn this outfit, and wear something comfortable and attractive instead. Kang lit up at that, more than glad to assist. Come back. I have finished all of your pants, a blouse. We will confirm the fit. I think she meant. I will ogle you as you change. Which was a risk I was willing to take. Jill had assured me she wasn't going to switch hit and play for the other team, no matter how hard Kang campaigned. Back they went, so I sat in a chair out front. A polite fiction, the girls having some privacy while the boyfriend looked elsewhere. We all knew it was a sham, but it's important to observe tradition. Jill stripped. Kang took each article she removed, holding it by one corner like a dead animal, dropped into a bin. The new blouse looked fantastic on her. Not as formal as the ivory button business blouse, some lace at the bottom, a narrower placket up the front, just three buttons. Softer material. By confirmed the fit she meant stroke my hands over every inch of your torso. Jill didn't mind, watching in a full-length mirror, smiling the whole time, smiling at Kang. The pants were also impressive, skin-tight without binding, a tailored waist, some summer weight cloth I didn't know. Button fly, which I found curiously sexy. Kang did too, standing behind her with her arms around, snugging the pants, smoothing them over her hips, talking the whole time, helping her button them up. Jill was still smiling when they came out again. I did my usual impression of a grinning fool, eyeing her up and down and watching her turn to show off. Miss Kang, you are a marvel. She has never looked better. Kang agreed. Jill is a pleasure to fit. It is so easy to make her look good. We arranged to have the rest of the items delivered. A young Vietnamese boy with a bicycle had delivered to the condo before. He would know the way. Nothing so crass as money changing hands was required. It had all been prepaid. As I got ready to exit, Jillian said. I'll be just a minute, honey. I'll meet you outside. I took the hint, nodded at Miss Kang, went out to sit on a bench by the street. I in half a minute Jill was there. Did you get the deed done? I was referring to inviting Miss Kang on a date. She made it clear she fancied Jillian, and Jillian wanted to indulge her. She'd been so kind, it seemed reasonable to return that in kind. And Jillian liked her, more than a little. Yup. We're going to dinner and a show, tonight. I smiled, to show I was a good sport. Jill leaned over, kissed me on the top of the head. Think of it as a girl's night out. With maybe sex afterward. We'll see. That was reasonable, if I thought of it honestly. Jillian could manage her own life. Sex with a girlfriend? If she wanted. Her body to share as she saw FIT.IT was harder to be honest with myself. I understood my feelings as jealousy, and manfully squashed any response. Jillian understood, as she always seemed to. I'll make sure you don't feel too lonely. Maybe something for dinner you can reheat? You know I love you, right? That did sound good. I am a sucker for home-cooked meals. And yes, I did know Jillian loved me. All smiles, I suggested a detour down a different street on the way back. Passing the time. Below this street runs an old subway tunnel. They gave up on that right away kept flooding, water table too high. But right there. I pointed to a grate in the sidewalk. Is the old train, rusted to ruin, left in place when they closed up the tunnel. Engine, three cars. Can we go look? I doubted it. Lots of cave-ins, not very safe. Plus, somebody tried to tunnel from there under the old bank, probably meaning to rob it. Collapsed. One of them is buried under the rubble. She put her hand to her mouth, appalled. Now a modern branch of TD Bank. I asked Jillian to wait outside while I ducked in to do some business. Inside, my banker spotted me instantly. He came out of his VP office, all smiles and handshakes. What will we do for you today, Gregory? I would like to make a modest withdrawal. 
It took about five minutes to arrange and I had a paper bundle in hand, tied with string. Too large to fit in a normal zipper bag. What was that about? Making a deposit? Jillian was curious, since I'd not been scavenging this morning and I hadn't taken much cash with me. Just the opposite. I wanted to have enough on hand so you wouldn't need to always be asking me. I handed her the bundle. She took it, not looking at it, squinting at me. I can't take your money. She sounded fairly uncertain, since she certainly could take my money. We'd been sharing it freely for some time now. Think of it as household incidentals. Like toilet paper. Not a big deal. Just a convenience, not worth keeping track. I could find money, found it all the time, collected it like picking up trash, like recycled newspaper, just something to keep in stacks until needed. This was a big step. All her life, cash was valuable and rationed. Now, our new life together, that had been turned upside down. The question was, could she take this next step? She hefted the parcel, sizing it up. This has to be, what, a thousand? No, more than that. We found that thousand in the trash. It was smaller than this. Ten thousand. Her shocked look spoke volumes. I, I'm not. I sympathized. It takes getting used to, money becoming just paper. You've come so far, this is another big step. Not only another number, a bigger number dot it's me, asking you to let all that go, to change your value system, to base your values on something else. I understand if it's hard. She could see what I was saying, understood it intellectually, but still emotionally conflicted. Let's just take it to the condo, put it in a cupboard. Talk about it some more later. I don't want you to agonize over this. It isn't worth that. It isn't worth any bother at all. That was something she could do. Reluctantly she tucked the parcel under her arm. Took my hand out as we walked along she seemed nervous, so much cash on us, looking around furtively. But she loosened up, realizing that if challenged she'd just surrender it. Absolutely nothing to take any risk over, and if it was not worth any risk, then was it worth any emotional stress? It was just a pile of paper, representing convenience. She was smart, I thought I had worked all this out, could guess what was going through her mind. But I was wrong. Finally she said what was bothering her. It represents hard work on your part. You've handed me, what, a thousand hours of scavenging? Half a year's effort? She was concerned about me. I'd already underestimated her. Now loved her more. Her guess seemed about right. But in this case, it wasn't exactly true that I nodded. Usually you'd be right. But my bank account isn't all found money. About half is my parents' estate, their house my uncle sold when they died. Plus my uncle's estate, left to me when he died, his house entire business. After that it's compound interest, for almost twenty years. In that time it doubled, doubled and doubled again. Plus my deposits the whole time. Whenever the fishbowl gets full, I deposit most of it. She nodded, knew about the fishbowl on my end table in my bedroom. Stuffed with rolls of money, wads of soiled bills, money and money clips found in the street, under bushes, in the park, in alleys. Still, it's all yours. She wasn't even convincing herself. What if you run out? Get sick and can't get any more for a while? Can't pay your rent. I smiled, and she got mad. What are you hiding? You're keeping something from me. Tell. Something I learned in Scouts, about personal finances, a merit badge. If you make regular deposits over a period of years, with compound interest, it really adds up. Start out with a good balance. It can be surprising. How surprising? A hundred thousand? Two hundred? Not wanting to alarm her, I suggested timidly. More? She was exasperated. Tell me. Two million, eight hundred thousand and change. She was staggered, literally. Almost dropped the parcel. I put my hand under her elbow to steady her. You can't be serious. There's more to the story. I put half of it in a technology fund for a few years. Made about a million just with that. Spent some, a tidy sum, on the condo. The thing is, it takes money to make money. But the more you have, the easier it is. She was vexed. So all this running around after ten dollars here and twenty there. I colored. Some of that was me showing off. But after all these years I've got in the habit. It's more than a game. I feel like, if I can tidy up the world, get money back into the system and working, it helps not only me but other people. I trailed off. She was not sold. But she was concerned about a different thing now, the ten thousand forgotten. Progress, I tried again. In my defense, I was raised poor too. It seems, precious of me, if I pass up ten dollars just because it's muddy or a cat peed on the bag it's in. Like I'm disrespecting my folks, 
All the hard work they did raising me, how hard they saved to keep me in school. That connected. I felt bad, playing the dead parent card. But it was all true. The angry fizzled out of her, her heart rate started back down. Her shoulders relaxed, her spine bent back to a more comfortable curve. She nodded, was silent for a block. Took my hand again, which felt awesome. How about this? I can shop for you, for us. Even if the money is free, or easy anyway, spending it can be a chore. I want to be part of this, part of us, and that means I contribute something. I lit up, charmed by the idea. You would do that? I get in a big box store, I zone out. The signs, the flashing lights, the people, all the stuff. Not just the boxes, all the stuff inside too. I just want to leave. She laughed despite wanting to be firm with me, leaned into me, affectionate again. I can do that. I like to do that. It's exciting for a little while anyway, to look for the bargain, to find just the right toaster or whatever. One of life's small victories. I got it. Life was full of stuff, and you took your victories where you found them. We have a deal. She set the bundle down on a bus stop bench we happened to be passing, took me again in her arms. Looked me in the face, then kissed me. Thoroughly. When she was done sexing me up, her own body warmed and relaxed as much as mine, lazily untangled from my arms, took my hand, we started off again. All cozy and lovey. A bag lady with a shopping cart was shuffling along by the building. Miss. Miss. You forgot your shopping. She was pointing at our parcel. $10,000 forgotten on a bus stop bench. Because it hardly mattered, laughing, she put her hand out. I got it instantly, took the wad of bills from my pocket, handed it to her. She haired back to the bench, snagged the parcel. Approaching the lady, she said, smiling. Thank you. I would forget my head if it wasn't screwed on straight. Handed her the wad of bills, closed the lady's hand around it gently. Oh, you don't have to do that, miss. Jill leaned over, kissed her on the cheek. Yes, I do. You have a good day. Jill getting ready for my date. We'd stopped for some makeup on the way home, just drugstore stuff but I didn't need much, my complexion's so midwestern girl healthy. I want to cover that up, I'd have to use a trowel dot we'd given the ready cash to the bag lady, had to break into the cash bundle to pay for it, involving some secret of tearing up paper and stuffing of pockets in a bathroom stall. Fun, anyway I looked a million bucks in Kang's bespoke blouse, pants. The department store delivery had brought me fresh underwear, better tights, and some going out shoes that weren't beachcomber salt stained junk. Those went on the porch, who knows, might wear them again I admit, it felt so freeing to be rid of that tourist costume. That had all come to a bad end, best forgotten. Showered and redressed in all new stuff, I was a new woman. Also my vase, now perched on a shelf with a strand of beach scavenge morning glory trailing down. Greg had even complimented it. He hardly noticed pretty things. Well, me and Kang, but that's about it. Kang had wanted to meet on the strip, not at the shop. Apparently Fuang was a busybody and didn't need to know her business. So now I was off, grabbing my new light jacket, Greg's supper in the oven just some baked pasta thing, a few minutes to throw together but the way he drooled over it, might have been fine cuisine. I set the timer. Even though he could see perfectly well when it was done, Kang was standing on a street corner, fending off the attentions of some vacationers out for a good time. She did it effortlessly, from long practice I guess. Jillian! You look so cute! I love those shoes! She stood on tiptoe, gave me a quick hello kiss. Adorable. She looked less professional, more going out, a blouse with some color and a short skirt. Those legs. When you could see them, not in that wool tent she liked to wear in the shop, they were astonishing. Went from her hips to the ground, and you could see almost every inch. At heels, she looked dangerously sexy. I could see the attraction of being a lesbian. Instead of lumpy hairy guys, you had something like this to look forward to. Where would you like to eat? My treat. Greg says there's a Vietnamese place just off the strip. No. No Vietnamese. I have to eat that every night, with Fuang. Fried food, that's what I want. Fried chicken. Or barbecue, even better. Unsurprising, not even Italians ate lasagna every day. Do you have a favorite place? Dickies. They have them all over. There's two on the strip. One on each end. We chose the one furthest from the shop, from the condo, intending to leave our normal lives behind and break new ground. Well, not for her, she lived here but I'd never been out this far yet. I'd been a tourist less than a week ago, inside it was pretty busy this time of night. Brisk traffic of folks getting takeout, plenty of tables free. We ordered at the counter chicken for Kang, smoked brisket for me, they sold it by the half pound. 
slaw and pickles to share. I paid with new bills, fresh from the bank bundle. Nicer than the usual nasty crumbled stuff. Kang noticed, but said nothing. I guess she'd seen a lot of Greg's trash fine money over the years. Sauce on the table, Kang slathered her chicken liberally, picked it up with her hands, took a big sloppy bite. Eyes closed, made yummy sounds. I used a plastic fork to spear chunks of brisket from the tub they served in. Squirted some sauce on, popped it in. My God. Kang was right, their barbecue is to die for. Sweet and savory, chewy but not dry or rubbery. Juicy, had to be careful not to dribble. Then the pickles. I quickly figured out, alternate pickle and brisket, each one was a fresh burst of flavor again, never got old that I noticed some sauce on Kang's cheek, backsplash from the chicken. Held out my napkin for her, but she just smiled, turned her face so I could do it. Dabbing delicately, her eyes fastened on mine, I felt my face flush. This was fun. She was so sexy and soft, so hot and willing. Really starting to see the attraction, she then took her napkin, reached to dab my chin. Again, her eyes locked on mine, dabbing primly, promising more fun later. It was getting hot in here, time to make conversation. I checked out that musical you mentioned. Got two tickets, front right. Could be good, local musical theater group, mostly college women. I trailed off, suddenly flashing on why she suggested it. All those college girls, in tight costumes, on stage, singing? This had to be a lesbian fantasy. Interesting. Kang smiled her gratitude. I've never seen Music Man. I know. Everybody says they did it in high school. I went to a Vietnamese high school. We did traditional music, folk tales, fun, but I feel left out whenever somebody mentions Alice in Wonderland or Willy Wonka. Well, I'd be happy to be your cultural interpreter. Kang stuck out her tongue at that. Jesus, she could even do that sexy. Check the time. We had plenty to finish and get there but no dithering. Mopping up the last of the dripping from the tub, we dumped out disposables in the recycle bins, washed in the ladies' room, and hit the street. The venue was on the strip, not far. Arriving, the crowd was largely women, largely couples. We wouldn't be out of place. The poster noted it was an all-girl cast. From the stills it seemed, all noble college girls, lots of cute teens. Kang was in her element, greeting other couples she knew, introducing me, admiring the posters. The lights dimmed then brightened, and Kang took my hand, led me to our seats. Some heads turned, admiring us as a couple. It felt exciting, made me feel special. This crowd was full of energy, and I was here with the prettiest girl of all. The play opened, went through all the obligatory scenes, just links between musical numbers really. The lead character was a woman with no boobs, or maybe wearing a compression band. She wore a suit and a very fake mustache but was otherwise quite believable as a con man. The Marion character was beautiful. Supposed to be a high school girl but very developed, round in all the right places. And her voice. Well above the standard for college productions. Add to that her amazing grace. Even when playing awkward high schooler she did it in a studied graceful way. The auditorium was pretty rowdy. Lots of hushed comments passing between couples but when Marion came on stage all was dead silent. Looking around, having gotten pretty much my fill of noble college girl, other couples were still entranced, bent over to be close to their partners but not talking da-da. They had their hands in one another's laps, doing something. Not sharing jujubes, that was for sure. Lots of sexing up was going on everywhere. This was faintly scandalous, but also hot. I mean, it was sex, right? I can be forgiven for being affected by adults getting off on a beautiful person with a gorgeous voice that I got into it, finally working up the nerve to put a sweaty hand on Kang's thigh. Am I doing it right? Will she be repulsed? She leaned into me, still focused on the stage, put her hand over mine, squeezed gently, pulled our joined hands further up, toward the edge of her skirt. The heat from under her skirt was startling. I decided stroking her thigh would be a good next move, made small circles on her skin with my fingertips. She followed along with her hand, then inched me further toward her crotch, grunching up her tiny skirt. I expected to encounter her panties, but it was fur I felt first. Either her panties were tiny, or she wasn't wearing any. Damp fur. The further I inched, suddenly anxious to get to it, the wetter she was. I cut to the chase. Lifting my hand, I moved gently to where I figured her clitoris must be. I missed, but not by much, touching the soft fur just above her slit. Pretending that was what I was aiming for I massaged gently, my fingertips moving the flesh above her clit in tiny firm circles, likely causing her clit some stimulation. She gasped, let go of my hand. All on my own now, what to do? Well, I'm an expert at sexing myself, so just do what I usually did but over there. Seems simple. It was. 
Moving down I finally found those panties. A tiny scrap of fabric, not a thong but a silken flicker of fabric barely covering her cunt. I dived right in, figuring she was ready for the final number. Her clit was tiny but hard, a little nub of flesh, like a hazelnut. Rubbing around it, I got Kang to squirm in her seat. I felt like squirming too, this was hot, not the only ones. There was squirming going on all over, the lead singer belting out her big chorus, her charms heaving and swelling in her satin costume. The singer's face was flushed, likely aware of the sexual release she was provoking throughout the audience that I slipped my middle finger down, down, over her slit, to where I figured her vulva to be. Splip. It inside her cunt lips, wet and ready, I easily entered her. She bent over, her head on her chest, her hands gripping the arms of her seat, no longer attending the singer on stage, tense as a stretched bowstring. My cue to bring her over the edge, thumb on her clit nub, fingers sliding in and out, silk stretched to the breaking point, thumbs slipping this way and that, I felt her vagina clench, get suddenly wetter, people gasping, crying all over the theater. Not because of the pathos in the plot, I'm pretty certain. Kang joined them, her little kitten cry of release audible only to me. It was delicious, adorable, tender. I wanted it to last forever, Kang coming, my hands slipping and sliding over her sex, her body convulsing. Maybe I am a lesbian? It was so, so sweet, but the song ended. Kang put one hand over mine, stilled it, raised it off her sex, pulling out of her panties, relaxing in her seat. I withdrew, she tugged her brief skirt back over her cunt, and that was it. My first lesbian encounter, leaning hard over on me, her arm twined with mine on my lap, we listened to the quiet end of the play. They skipped ahead quite a bit, probably aware the show was really over at this point, the audience's attention having peaked. When the curtain fell the audience erupted, folks climbing unsteadily to their feet, demanding a curtain call. For a local musical theater, the curtain rose on the cast, lined up, arms linked, bowing as one. A good number of actress faces flushed. What had they been up to offstage? Not hard to guess. Lights up, we got to our feet, waited our turn to file out. Looking back at the now vacated row of seats I saw that many of them were slick, wet. Spilled soda pop? Not likely. Ushers stood ready with spray bottles, mopping up cloths. As rows were vacated they got to it, sanitizing and wiping down seats with practice precision. One girl had a mop, for the hard cases I guess. Outside it was cooler. Kang pulled a scrap of silk from a handbag far too small to contain it, wrapped it around her shoulders. Let's walk down to the pier. I'm not ready for this evening to be over. Kang agreed. Others had the same idea. We were part of a straggling line of pier walkers, couples.as we progressed out over the water. I chattered aimlessly. What do lesbians talk about, post-public frigging? I didn't know. Greg says dolphins play out there, past where the surf starts rolling. Chasing stuff around, mating. Under the sand, near his condo, there's an old buoy buried deep. Blown ashore in some long-ago storm, buried until the next storm takes the beach away, I guess. There are millions of shells in the sand, all through it, all colors. He says it's an amazing display, so much color, dazzling. Kang smiled, her eyes liquid in the dusk, just letting me talk. When we got as far as we were going to go, where we could still see the sea, before the fishing shacks and moored boats, she tugged on my hand. Turning, I saw she was shivering. I enfolded her in my arms, spread my jacket around both of us, holding her, warming her. She was so small, we both looked at the water, wondered about the dolphins. She quit shivering, moved, struggling in my jacket. I loosened my grip. Turning to face me, Kang put her arms around me, under my jacket, intimate and warm. I enfolded her again, snug. Grandpa knows about Greg. So do I. I smiled, gave her a little squeeze, accepting that. He's pretty talented. What do you think about it? Fuang says he is a spirit medium, able to talk to the unsettled dead, find out about things hidden. I nodded. That made as much sense as anything. What do you think? I'm a modern girl. I don't believe in that old spirit stuff. But if I did, I'd think it more likely a hungry ghost inhabited him. What is that? A hungry ghost. It's a spirit not properly settled in its home village, the ghost of someone buried in the wrong place. Not appeased by a family altar, always wanting something, never satisfied. Like Greg. I nodded again. And if it isn't spirits? As a modern American girl? She shivered, but not from the cold this time. Probably not those things. But something. He is a good guy, that's what matters. He can be anybody he wants, it's none of my business. I like him. Fuang likes him too. Are you interested in him? As a husband? Kang smiled. No, I'm not interested in Greg. I don't need a husband, I only need me.
And I like girls. I like you, Jillian. She tilted her head up, looked at me with those liquid eyes, closed them. My cue. Time to kiss the girl that I did my best, touching her face, pressing my lips to hers, tender and considerate. Accepting her tongue in my mouth, enjoying her taste that it was good. I like kissing. Kissing a girl was good, different but good. When she pulled away, she looked sad. What's wrong? I was touched, wanted her to be happy. You're not Dong Tin Nu, a girly girl, a girl that likes other girls. I didn't want to disappoint her, but I had to be truthful. I wouldn't lie to King that I shook my head. How can you tell? I can tell. The way you kiss, the way you hold me. Even the way you, stroked me. It was nice. She was alarmed that I looked distressed. It was more than nice. It was very good. But for me, not for you. Because I am excited by you, but you are not excited by a girl. Not in the same way. I hugged her, held her for a time, not saying anything. I really like you, Kang. I want you in my life. More than you can know. I've never had a sister. If I had one, I'd want her to be like you. We all have to live with the family we are born into. Kang was pragmatic at her core. I sighed. I wish I could. I have nobody. Her eyes snapped wide, and she looked alarmed. Where did they go? Were they lost? In some war? I shook my head. Nothing so exciting. My mother was in prison when she had me. I was put in foster care. When I was six they told me mother was killed in prison, in a fight. I never even met her. Shocked to her core, Kang loosened her grip, looked closely at me, not sure I could possibly be telling the truth. Who raised you? Your father? You have a father. Again I shook my head. I never knew. My mother never told. I was raised by different people. People paid to raise children. People who didn't care, they just wanted money. Kang was crying. She held me tight, so tight. Buried her head in my chest. Held me like she didn't want me to leave. Hey. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't awful. It was just lonely. Every other kid had somebody, in school, even in the foster home. They all talked of somebody who would come and take them home. Nobody ever did, but they had a story anyway. I had nothing. Kang looked up at me, fierce now. You have me. I am your sister. I never had one either, never knew until now. Now I know, I do have a sister, and she is you. I was touched. And a little excited. This was not how tonight was supposed to end. Maybe a lot excited. You can't be serious. We're both adults. We have our own lives. It doesn't matter, not now. She put her hand to her face, rubbed her eyes with the back of it. Don't say nonsense. It always matters, all our lives. Sisters are forever. I digested that. I honestly didn't know that was how it was supposed to work. Families fell apart, everyone I ever knew, people grew up and moved away. I've always known I was supposed to have a sister. When Fuang brought me to America, to keep me safe, my parents were supposed to come too. But the war ruined that, like it ruined so much. They were killed by a bomb, waiting for the boat that it's been Fuang and me, for so long. I dream I had a sister, maybe born in Vietnam, maybe after I left. But Fuang says no, no Vietnamese sister. Just him and me. But I dream true. I do have one, I've always had one, but neither of us knew it. Because you were here, all the time. She clung to me, trembling, holding me like she would never let go. What did I think of this? I didn't know. I didn't know that Kang was precious to me, a wonderful surprise in a long life of disappointment that I held her, kissed her on the top of the head, petted her until she stopped trembling. How do you know it is me? And not some other poor foster kid somewhere. You are silly. Greg found you, brought you to me, right away. That's what Greg does. He finds what you lost, what you need. It's obvious. That's okay, little sisters are supposed to be silly. What big sisters are for, to tell them. That was charming, and probably true. I didn't know. Okay, so we're sisters. What does that mean? What do I have to do? She nodded. This was right up her alley. She'd been practicing all her life for this. It is good of you to ask about duties. That is right for a little sister. Duties are the backbone of life. They give us structure. They provide satisfaction, a duty correctly done. That sounded a lot like what Fong might say. Kang continued. The duties of sisters are many. We go together to drink on girls' night. We drink too much, and tell secrets we wouldn't tell otherwise that we tell of conquests, every time, everyone. No detail is kept, we share clothes, or buy clothes together. Very important, we share advice. Mostly older sister to younger, 
but you may pull my chain if I'm too far off. I considered. This made sense. To me anyway. I would like that. I am learning so much from you, from Greg. Even from Fuang, about the importance of grandfathers. Kang nodded, continued. We share duties of grandparent. Care for them, so they lack nothing. One day we will add grandparent to the family altar, make offerings on holy days. Keep their spirits content. I can do that. I respect Mr. Nguyen, and I would like to help him. I know I could never forget him, but clothes. I cannot do what you do with clothes. We thought on that. We both knew I was hopeless choosing my own clothes. Forget about sewing. Hey. I can cook. I can learn to cook barbecue. Would that be good? Kang put her hands up, joy on her face, pulled my face down, kissed me. Not quite sisterly, not quite a lover. Something wonderful in between. I would have to get used to a lesbian for a sister, that was clear. What about sex? I like sex and I like you. It was nice what we did at the theater. Is that something sisters can do? Sisters like us? Kang considered. Sisters can pleasure one another. When describing conquest it is good to share delights. Sharing the conquest of one woman with another, that is the sexiest thing I can imagine. I bit my lip, thinking this could be pretty wonderful. But what can I share that you would be interested in? Sex with Greg? That would bore you. Oh. You will tell me what he makes you feel. That is exciting too. It was a lot to think about, feel about. We went silent for a time, just holding each other on the pier. The night got colder. The pier began to seem an unfriendly place for two sisters. The other couples had long abandoned us that we walked back to the shore, hand in hand, sisters enjoying the evening. Back at her shop, in her room above, we sat at a low table and shot sticky rice wine and talked. Girl talk. I'd never had that, not with anybody I cared about. Music she was into Bao Vo and something called Ming and Ping. Never heard of it, gonna be an acquired taste. I am a country and western girl, which amused Kang no end. Loves of our youth she had been sweet on a girl called Amy, at school. Big, strong, Vietnamese-American, daughter of a serviceman and a Saigon shopkeeper's daughter. Light skin, dark hair, almond eyes, deep voice. Kang pretended to swoon when she talked about that voice. I admitted to a skinny boy named Bruno, in math club in high school. He wore his hair in a flock of seagulls swoop, and for some reason that made me wet. Kang ridiculed me, but in a sisterly way. Media personalities? I liked a guy on Saturday Night Live. He was funny, kind of handsome, stocky and sweet. Kind of like Greg, now I think of it. Kang perved on somebody called Zendaya, who played a nerdy spy-slash-karate expert-slash-math whiz. Whatever. Some Asian kid crush. Downing her third shot, she hopped up, dug in a cabinet, got out a DVD. I recorded Bachelorette, every episode. Shyly. To watch with my sister. We have to watch this one. She put it on. It started slow, so she hurried it up to the date part where some guy called Lars was putting the moves on Babette. A round-faced dark-eyed beauty.it got to where they were in bed. A black and white fuzzy night shot. The blankets were thrashing around and she was calling out. Lars! Lars! And he was groaning and calling. Babette! Babette! In a Swedish accent, Kang stripped her panties off and started frigging herself. Babette! Babette! Really getting into it. Perving on the cute chick. What the hell, I was half drunk and this was suddenly red hot. I stuck my hand down my shorts, having lost my pants early on when we started sweating from drinking rice wine, wearing something cute Kang found for me. Lars! Lars! Babette! Babette! Lars! Babette! We came together just as they did on screen, leaning helplessly on each other, laughing until we almost threw up. Kang hiccuped, made a little erp face, swallowed hard. Can Greg see us? I don't know where that came from, out of the blue dot I shook my head, causing the room to spin. Nope. Too far. He can see, hick, where he is. He's respectful, controls it. People need privacy. Kang nodded, regretted it. I'm glad. Tonight is for us. She thought some more, clearly in effort. Greg is a good man. Discipline is important. Self-control. This from a woman who just put down half a liter of expensive high-octane alcohol. A good man. Husband. A good husband ban. She had a brainstorm. You should fuck him. I was scandalized, turned two shades of red. My shirt had gone somewhere. You could follow the flush down my chest to my bra. How do, how, how do you know I haven't, haven't fucked him? Huh. I thought that was a brilliant comeback. She waved me off, poured another shot glass from the bottle, 
missing at first but finding the glass finally. I'm gonna make you a dress. Greg can take you out, bring you home, rip it off you. Fuck you. I was impressed. That would be some dress. I had another thought. I can pay for it. I have money. Nah. Greg will pay. He has an, an account. You have anything you want. She looked seriously at me, over the shot glass. You want this dress. She downed the shot glass, handed it to me. I tried to drink it but of course it was empty. So was the bottle. That seemed sad. Is there enough? On account. That seemed very important somehow. She waved away the thought, like it was flies buzzing around her head. Probably not. So he will pay some more. That's what boyfriends are, are for dot he will want to pay. Only the best. You are the best for him. So he will pay for the dress. And rip it off. I finished for her. And fuck me. That seemed terribly funny for some reason. I started laughing like an idiot. Soon Kang was laughing too. And fuck you. Hilarious. She struggled up, grabbed her hairbrush, held it upside down like the handle was a microphone. Crouching, shoulders hunched, elbows out like some gangster. Rocking from side to side, making gang signs with her free hand. She started rapping. I'm one of those hot nasty bitches. Guy crosses me I leave him with stitches. Take their money and spend all their riches. Won't scratch me where my body itches. Suck my VAJJ. Bitch, suck my VAJJ. Bitch, swiveling her hips, fingers in a V and tonguing the crotch lewdly, flapping her knees open and shut, flaunting her crotch like a weapon. No panties on, her red slash flashing me, wet, this was way too much. I fell over, laughed until I lost consciousness. And why last incongruous thought, I have a sister. What? Greg was talking too loud. I just told him about my sister, and he didn't understand. He was pulling bottles from the cupboard, hot sauce and mustard and soy sauce and such, cringing, closing my eyes against the hangover headache. I repeated myself. Got a sister. King. Figured it out last night. He looked skeptical. Before or after the quart of rice wine? He was apparently familiar with Fuang's rice wine. Or maybe he just recognized it in my gut. Before. We were talking. She said I wasn't lesbian. Dong Tin knew we shouldn't fuck. I said, wish she was my sister. He nodded, following so far. So you want a sister like Kang? No. Is my sister. See, I don't have anybody. She dreamed she had a sister. Her parents are dead. So it has to be me. An objection. And not somebody else, because? This one was obvious. Once Kang had explained it to me. Because you brought me. Her lost sister. What you do, doofus? Find lost things. Understanding, finally. He nodded, appreciating the logic of it. So what does this mean for us? Do I share you with your sister now? He was figuring it out. Playing along I think that I leaned forward, over the breakfast bar, to kiss him. He figured that out too, came in for the smooch. That's nice. Boyfriends are nice. Yes. Share me. Have sister nights, talk sex music, sex music, drink too much and share clothes. She'll give me advice, she's older. Some other things, I forget. Grandparents. We share Fuang now. He seemed to accept that. What could he say? Sisters have priority over boyfriends. Blood is thicker than water. He was making something in a blender. Agony when he turned it on. It didn't take long. I didn't have to kill him. Pouring out something vile into a glass, he handed it to me. I took it, downed it all in one go. I knew you couldn't dilly-dally these things or you wouldn't do it. Good thing too. If I'd stopped to taste it I'd have spit it out. He watched me, saw something that satisfied him. Maybe my juice is squirting into alignment, or something. Who knows with him. Almost immediately I began to feel better. The glowing in front of my eyes dimmed to a tolerable level. I could breath without my temples hurting. All good. I leaned forward to kiss him again, but he backed away. I guess that stuff was pretty foul. He put a glass of fizzy water in front of me. Sip this until you can get up, then take a shower. Sounded like good advice. I sniffed my armpit, pulled back, offended. Half an hour later, we're out on the porch in those glorious stuffed chairs, smelling the salt air and chilling, sipping soda water. I was halfway human again. So, is this how sister nights will be? Out all night doing God knows what, at lesbian theaters and clubs in Kang's apartment? Coming home at dawn in a cab, barefoot, dressed in one of Fuang's old wife-beater shirts and precious little else? With the mother of all hangovers? Sounded fair. I nodded carefully. Sound just like matron. We stared at each other, then pfffst and giggles just burst out of me. 
He smiled despite himself. I waved one hand dismissively over my head, like chasing flies. Hey. Kang does that. We must be sisters, it's in the genes. Won't mind. You'll see. Kang is making a dress. So you'll fffff take me out. He seemed mollified by that, looking at me in a different way. Kang is pretty handy with a needle. I can see this working out. And of course, use your money any way you like. PFFFSD and a giggle again. I guess I was still pretty stewed. Nope. Your money. Kang says boyfriends pay for dresses. Cause it's for you, really. He doesn't care about money, but he got the point, saw the important distinction. Smarter than he looks. Kang says a lot of things. Did she happen to mention what Fong wants to talk to me about? A note sent with the cab driver. I'm to show up, by royal command, at the shop. When you're at work tomorrow. Work. I have a job. Incandescent joy. He laughed out loud when he saw that, saw me happy, happy from the inside out. He can do that dot he was happy, because I was happy. He is a good boyfriend. Maybe a good husbandman. We'll see dot we walked by the shop, once I could walk again. To pick up my clothes. They hadn't come with the cab. Fuang met us at the door. Greg did all the talking for me. Apparently Kang was ill, couldn't come down. But Fuang had collected my mislaid items that he handed over my shirt, my pants. My bra, my tights, that new pair of shoes. My jacket. One at a time, like he was counting them out. Greg was starting to look like a pack horse. Fuang gave me a very stern look. I hung my head, like a junior daughter should, contrite. He shook his head disapprovingly, then kissed me on the forehead, told Greg to take extra care with me today doubt I could be ill like Kang. It was apparently something going around. Greg promised, made arrangements to meet tomorrow while I was at work, for tea. Fuang suggested a bottle of sticky rice wine would go with the tea nicely that I blushed. Kang had stolen it from Fuang's room. We were busted that I spent the rest of the morning recovering, doing penance. I cleaned the condo which didn't need much cleaning, he had an old Japanese man in every other week, left it spotless. There was nothing to pick up, nothing down the couch cushions, behind the toaster, under the chair. How could there be? Mr. I can't see through walls never loses anything. So I dusted, which is always a good idea living on the beach that I did laundry. My sister's night clothes, some stains that looked alarming, organic and gross smelling. I didn't remember vomiting, maybe it was Kang's? Also sticky rice wine stains that were, well, sticky. Did his t-shirts, shorts. About all he ever wore. Nice ones, but not Kang's. I wonder what he did get from the shop. I'd never seen him wear a single thing Kang made. Did the sheets. I hadn't slept many nights in my sheets, but I'd been sweaty and gross and I just wanted all that gone and forgotten. Used most of my quarters in the machine, the quarters my boyfriend magicked out of the sand when we were walking. He had his uses. Folding his clothes, putting them away, opening his drawers to find where everything went, I noticed he didn't have anything on top of the dresser. No pictures, no keepsakes, nothing. Digging around, not really snooping, just curious, I found pictures at the bottom of his underwear drawer. Stacked there, put away, forgotten. Looked like his folks, an old guy, maybe his uncle, one at a beach, not this beach, his folks looking younger with a baby on a blanket. Him? Probably. It was staring into space, maybe already some of his magic eye stuff going on. Or maybe just a baby stare, they do that doubt I was going to leave them. The memories were probably painful. It hit me. They weren't put away. He could look at them every day, anytime he wanted. They didn't have to be on top of the dresser. It didn't matter where they were to him. I took one out, the beach picture, propped it against the mirror. It mattered to me. I couldn't see them buried in a drawer. And I wanted to see them, see where he'd come from, the people who'd loved him. He looked at me at lunchtime, scanning me, made a decision. We would go for Vietnamese pho, a salty soup that was supposed to be good when you were ill. Sounded good. I was not interested in cooking today. This place was down an alley between a vacuum repair shop and a sewing store, just a sign jutting out with some Vietnamese writing. I was going to ask how he found it, knew it was even here. Stupid question. The proprietor greeted him by name, the usual? And for the lady? Greg ordered, I had no idea that it came in seconds. A big steaming bowl of broth for each of us, like half a gallon, a puck of noodles hiding in the bottom, getting soft and unwinding slowly, and all over the top, treats. Sliced radishes and strips of tender brisket. Some kind of meatball I learned was a fishball. Scallions and carrot strips and even a tiny, cute little boiled egg. There were chopsticks in a bin. I impressed Greg by ignoring the fork, taking a pear and digging in. 
The waiter delivered a tray of greens, some sliced peppers. I watched as Greg took a stalk of leaves, shredded them into his soup. Smelled divine. Basil. I followed suit, then poked the shreds down to infuse the broth. There were tiny dishes and giant square bottles of sauce and a caddy on the table. You apparently mix sauces together on a dish, dipped the treats in. Greg ignored the bottle of hot sauce on our table, scanned the room, grabbed one from the next table. I tried the bottle on our table when his back was turned. Empty. Of course. Greg squirted a blop of red sauce, then a blop of thick brown goop. I snagged a bit of beef with my chopsticks, dredged it in the brown. Sweet. Kind of like fruit, maybe plums. The red was hotter. Hot as a firecracker. I didn't mind hot but this was ridiculous. Getting another dish I squirted more, mixed them with a chopstick, tried again. Interesting. Hot and sweet. Especially good with the fish ball. I gobbled mine down, wished there were more. The tiny egg bobbed up, so I struggled with my chopsticks until I had it trapped, popped it in my mouth before it could get away. Tiny soft yolk inside, savory, scrumptious. Once I had all the treats gone, all I could find without sticking my fingers in my bowl, I started on the noodles. They were rice noodles, firm and chewy, soaked in the broth they were yummy. Halfway done with them, about all I could manage, I got inspired. Picked up the bowl carefully, slurped a long slurp of broth. Salty, savory, I could feel it filling up all the gaps, healing my insides. Doctoring up the damage I'd done with alcohol, Greg looked on, approving, looking inside me and liking what he saw. I grinned at him, basil in my teeth, took another long slurp. Felt my muscles relaxing, the ache in my joints simmering down. We finished, Greg slapped down some bills, tipping shamelessly. As we left the waiter girl called out. Thank you, S.I.R. Greg raised his hand over his head, waved without turning around that I slipped my arm in his, leaned my head on his shoulder. He crooked his elbow like a gentleman, walked slowly, not wanting me to pull away, enjoying the sun and air with his girlfriend. That's me. Morning. Headache mostly gone. Feel like a million bucks. My first day of work, dressed to kill, Greg adjusting my collar, adjusting the shoulders so it all lay just right, he could see right away when something was crooked, running his hands over my shoulders, my hips, like he was checking the fit but really just checking me out, noticed my nervousness, the knot in my stomach, tension in my shoulders. Couldn't hide anything from him. Didn't want to. It was nice, a boyfriend totally in sync with my moods, knowing just what to say. You look awesome. Just one glance, folks will know you are good at what you do. I smiled, kissed him carefully, not wanting to smear anything. Started out the back, the street side, waste not a minute, don't want to be late. It's a long walk, and these aren't exactly walking shoes. A panicky feeling when I got to the downtown district. Did I even remember where the place was? But no worries, the Thai place was visible blocks away. Into the lobby, pick a random elevator, lucky. It was here. I don't need Greg for everything. Point two ND floor, down the hall to the windowless door, take a deep breath, and in I go, folks just settling in. Apparently lawyers don't start calling until they get to court. Makes sense. The boss waved me back. She had another girl in her office, chatting. Jillian! I want you to learn the business, bottom up. Man a desk for today, figure out the patter. Kelly will be your buddy this morning. Come back at lunchtime, we'll sync up. I was dismissed. Smiling at Kelly, we headed to a desk at the back of the room. The trick is, make them think you're doing them a favor. Never accept their terms. They'll want the moon. Not their fault, it's their job to advocate for their client. I nodded, getting it all, keeping up. Kelly was clearly a master at this. She showed me the slips, the rate sheet. How to operate the phone. How to pick up a call that came in. I sit ahead of you. I'll keep an ear out, here if you're getting into trouble, something not on the term sheet, I give the high sign. You just say I'll transfer you to my manager, hit this button. She pointed to the row on the right of the phone gadget. Apparently I could transfer a call to any desk, the third button was her. Kelly, you seem to have this stuff cold. If I can learn it anything like you have, I'll be doing good. She flashed a smile. Actually friendly. So easy to resent a person coming in over you, and having to train them. I'd have to talk to her about that soon, scope out the situation with the others. Sitting down I set the pad of slips in front of me. Tested the pen, laid the term sheet square with the edge of the desk. Waited for the button to light up. It lit. But oops, somebody else got it. I saw it go out, and button 7 light up, my hand only halfway to the phone. Have to be faster. Don't want anybody to think I'm lazy. Not pulling my weight. I missed the next three, but number 5, I had my finger poised, nabbed it. Crenshaw Bonds. This is Jillian speaking. How can I help you? 
Kelly turned around, flashed me a smile, nodded encouragement, went back to her own phone. It was a tame one, drunk and disorderly. 30 days for vandalism while under the influence. No flight risk, family man, after his son's wedding got wild and took down some traffic signs with his army buddy. Bail, appear in seven days, probably pay a fine. Lawyer wanted it for nothing, but I quoted the standard rate. He sighed, accepted. I filled out the slip, got the particulars, estimated the check by this afternoon, said thank you goodbye. Kelly vetted my slip, pointed out I hadn't dated it, date calendar on the wall with today's date in large letters. That done, I trotted it up to the boss, knocked, went in, handed it over. She was engaged on the phone, canvassing law firms, held out her hand and took my slip. I waited a beat while she passed her eyes over it, nodded to me with a little smile, went back to her deal-making. I trotted back to my desk, took a deep breath, let it out. Kelly gave me another encouraging smile, pointed to the incoming light flash. The desks were all busy. This one was mine. All morning it went like that. Two hours of constant calls, lots of minor matters, nothing I couldn't find on the sheet. Kelly quit watching me so closely, turned her attention to her cases. Then it slowed down. Still a light every minute or so. I tried to stay busy but it was harder. Lots of folks beating me to the punch. I observed a pattern to the lights. Number 12 was never lit. Made sense. One empty desk. But number two was also generally dark, now that the calls were spaced out. Easy to get away with I thought. Just let everybody else take the calls. Which one of us was number two? Observing the room, I made a tick mark on a sheet of paper every time I saw somebody pick up. Half an hour, I had it narrowed down to the hairy guy in the corner opposite, or a boy, probably not more than 19, middle of the center row. Incoming lit, and hair guy picked up, started the routine. Number 9 lit.so it was the boy. Yup, he was fooling with something in his lap, barely noticing the phone lights, letting the rest of us do the heavy lifting, what to do. I was not in charge of anything yet. Just make a mental note, against the day I was responsible for efficiency. The others had to know he was slacking. Why didn't they call him on it? I suppose everybody slacks sometime, exhaustion or a headache, not willing to say anything lest somebody call them on it, and it was clearly hard to get anybody to stay, the empty desks proved that. When they were busy, every empty desk could mean a misdeal, a lost opportunity as the caller would give up, call somebody else.so he kept his job for now. Lunchtime. The incoming light went amber. The other lights winked out one by one as deals were closed. Finally the panel was dark. Folks got up, stretched, put on coats one by one, headed out to lunch. I waited for the boss to emerge. She didn't appear until it was just me. Had her jacket hailed me. How about Thai? Right downstairs, and they're fast. I smiled, I tried their pad Thai. It would be good to branch out. We ordered, got drinks, sipped, relaxed for a few minutes. When I judged the time was right I started in. Here's the rundown as I see it. Eleven desks including me, two hours of constant traffic this morning. At four minutes per deal, some a little faster, a couple pretty slow. That comes to maybe thirty missed deals, not counting the slow desks out of full staff being paid the second two hours, need only maybe six or eight. That's a quarter day pay for three to five, let's say four, something like thirteen percent payroll fat right there. She shifted in her seat, not quite happy. I know all that. I nodded. I figure I'm like a pilot's navigator, a captain's first officer. My job as I see it, is to tell everything I observe, even if you already know, especially what you already know. So you know that I know. Only mistake I make is to miss something. You hear that, you call me on it? She nodded, following so far. Okay, next after the situation report I propose options. Then you decide. Something I came up with, your own idea, you're the boss. Okay, I get it. I use you as a resource for office operations. Monitor what's going on, hear you out, say yay or nay or change it up. You do the heavy lifting, I forget about phone banks most of the time. We smiled in sync. Now the hard part. Here's the options as I see them. I can continue to staff a desk. I can recruit, canvas to fill out the phone staff, upgrade the staff. I can learn the books, start doing bookwork under your supervision. I can interview law offices, lawyers, drum up business. She nodded. That about summed up the activities. Our food arrived. We set to, commenting on the food, the weather, the staff. Once we were down to sipping tea, I made my ask. What's it to be? How will I spend this afternoon? She had marinated on it, had decided. Continue staffing the rest of the day. They get squirrely in the afternoons, public defenders, there's more to learn. I nodded, made sense. 
Tomorrow a consultant is coming by not our boss, not our client. Lawyers are touchy about that. They see us as a resource, a business to refer their actual client to. Dot, I want you to just listen, watch me deal with him. Afterward, give me your impression. See if you can get a handle on who we're working with, how they think. Got it, boss. I'll hit the phone bank now. See you in the morning. I paid both checks, surprising the boss, went back to the office. Folks were drifting in. The incoming line wouldn't be active until the hour, seven minutes from now. Dot on the dot, the amber light turned white. The first call already queued up. I let it go, watching. Dot slacker boy drifted in three minutes after the hour, slid into his seat, took his time settling in. Not critical, only three desks busy, lawyers ate lunch too, but it rankled anyway. Greg I stopped by the Vietnamese market, got the most expensive bottle of sticky rice wine they had. The label said nearly a third alcohol by volume. Wine my ass. It's closer to vodka. Inside the fluid looks thick, syrupy almost. But that could be something not completely in solution, the index of refraction between materials making ripples. Not supposed to be drunk by the bottle I guess. The sisters were nuts. I suppose that happens when sisters get together? I had no experience. Well I guess I have some now. Ina shirt and jacket today. Some white linen pants. I wanted to look sharp for my tea invitation. All king stuff, so brownie points there. Approaching the side door in the alley, the household entrance not the store one, I saw Fuang puttering at a small alcohol stove heating water. I was early. A firm rap on the door. I'm not sure Fuang can hear that well. Some scarring around his right eardrum, and he actually has a deformed bone in the left. What effect that has on hearing I don't know. He heard me, looked at the door, turned back to his stove. Making me wait. A power play, make me nervous, fidgety. No problem, not gonna work. But he knew I knew, so what did that mean? Best to not overthink it. Now I was nervous. Settle down. He's a nice guy. Probably just wants to talk about my wild girlfriend, a bad influence on Kang. Water heated, he carried it carefully to the tea table, set on a trivet. Arranged the cups fussily. Tea caddy ready, lid loosened. Now he was ready. He approached the door, straightened his clothes, opened it. Mr. Nguyen. So glad to be invited today. It's been too long. He stayed somber, stepped back to admit me. Inside I offered the bottle. He took it, admired the label, raised an eyebrow, nodded his thanks that I waited for him to sit first, as is polite for a younger man to an elder. Once he was settled, gestured to a seat, I took the liberty of sitting opposite. He removed the caddy lid, spooned viciously black tea into the pot, two, three heaping spoonfuls, replaced the lid. This stuff was going to be deadly, a caffeine headache tomorrow. The leaves soaked up the hot water, heaving and expanding in the pot like something come alive. The black stains spread like ink. When he had judged the time was right, three or four minutes in silence, he picked up a strainer, poured two cups through it. Put one in front of himself, one in front of me. He lifted his, paused, looked at me. I lifted mine, fingers on the raised rim on the bottom, thumb balancing it against the brim, waited for him to drink. He blew, sipped. I looked into my cup. Oily, dangerous brew. Blow, take a sip, scald the tip of my tongue. I knew it would happen, but it had to be done. The first cup of tea explained the issue. Was this to be a traditional tea conversation? Yes, he was preparing to speak. Mr. Gregory, we have been neighbors, done business for some years as peers, as equals in the neighborhood. Me with my business, you with yours. He didn't know what that was, being too polite to pry had never asked that I nodded. I have been happy to know you, honored to do business with you and your skilled granddaughter. He nodded, acknowledging that as only right. But all that changes now. You know of my daughter's discovery? Kang's relationship to your Jillian? Out of left field. I had not played the scenario out in my head, had taken Jillian's story this morning as, well, a story. A charming fiction between two friends. I, Jillian told me, she and Kang are sisters? He nodded eagerly, glad I understood. But that can't be, we don't really think that they. Understanding, Fuang's face softened. You think like an American. Yes, they are very different. But they are sisters. Kang has dreamed it. Jillian has accepted it. Sisters not in some tedious blood way. Sisters in spirit. What does that mean? How can that be? How can that matter? I was baffled. Maybe Jillian was right. I can be dense. It is not something to be pondered about, just a fact. The women believe it to be so. Kang's dream has confirmed it, and Jillian recognized it as true. He saw my continued consternation, took pity on me. Gregory, we are mere men, suited to the mundane world, the dangers of travel and business and labor for us. 
men of clay and leather, but for matters of family, of kinship and spirit, it is our women that dictate, that decide. They have decided. Would you tell them they are wrong? That floored me. No, I don't think I would have any luck there. I wouldn't dare take Jillian's sister away from her. That would be monstrous. Fuang saw me become resigned to this, relaxed, took another longer pull on his tea. Savored it, pleased with the vile black tar dot I followed suit, my mind digesting this new learning as my gut struggled to digest the tea. How has that become important to us? I ventured in my dense Gregory way. Fuang nodded on the same page now. Don't you see? Yesterday Kang was a rival to you, someone who might take Jillian from you, form a family without you. Today she is no longer a rival for Jillian's affection. Heh. No more than any sister is. So what is she to me now? Gently as to a child. She is your girlfriend's sister. You would woo Kang's sister? Understanding blossomed in my brain, shaking me. My cup rattled on the saucer, spilling a few drops. And so we are. Fuang finished. I am your girlfriend's grandfather. You are wooing my granddaughter. You are my prospective son-in-law. The second cup of tea. The negotiation. My stomach roiled from the first cup, trying to reject the acid solution. Now another one was poured for me. This was gonna be an Alka Seltzer night. Fuang blew, sipped. I followed suit. You are a very suitable age for a son-in-law. Jillian is perhaps young, but certainly capable of all the duties of a wife. I nodded. He meant what, sex? Or housework? Not sure how to respond in either case. Kang's situation is an issue. She is unmarried. The usual way, the elder sister marries first. I dared to speak. Kang is perhaps not the usual case. He agreed. I am not sure Kang wishes to marry. The issue is not so much what we think, but whether Kang is opposed to being single while her sister marries. He blew again, took a sizable slurp. I followed suit. May I mention something that has a bearing on this? He bowed his head graciously. Jillian revealed to me that Kang is creating a dress for her, so Jillian can tempt me to ask her out. A smile wreathed Fuang's face. Excellent. We may anticipate no objection from Kang then. He stopped, sorted things through in his head, continued. Family is the next important arrangement. Do you have family to support? Grandparents? Cousins? Which could distract you from providing for a wife in the manner she requires? Easy one. I have no family. Fuang's face fell. Damage control. My mother was an only child, dead these twenty years. My father followed soon after, of a broken heart. Fuang understood that. His life had not been easy. My father's older brother raised me. He is now gone as well. No children. No cousins. Just me. He looked sympathetic. His family was also devastated by circumstance that he considered, sipped. A man has duties. Yours have been slight, and as your mother passed perhaps before she could instruct you, I must ask, are you prepared to keep Jillian well and comfortable? To provide for her, so she lacks for nothing? To support her family in time of need? I nodded enthusiastically. She has a strong will, is of good character. Has a good family. Fuang approved. I was talking about him. I will endeavor to comply with her will, to support her in her own duties. Brownie points there. Duties were a magic word here. I celebrate her successes, respect her view of the world. Even though it may now be more limited than mine because of age, and um. Fuang understood. As a spirit medium I was privileged to see more than most. Jillian sees some things better than me. About trust, about family. She knows me, accepts me as I am. Fuang was delighted. You understand. There is more to the world than what is. There is also what means. Women are attuned to that. Jillian understands that. I ran down, family duties being something I only heard of, having never had any. I was making it up as I went. Fuang continued. There is the matter of support. A suitor should be able to provide a home, demonstrate employment, arrange the things that can ensure a harmonious life. I cleared my throat. This could be tricky. You know I have the condo on the beach. He nodded, concerned. It is small. When children arrive, a larger home would be advantageous. Room for all the things a woman desires for raising children. I choked on my tea, coughed, recovered. Should Jillian desire children, she would surely have a plan for suitable arrangements. I am confident we could afford whatever expansion she desired, or even move to a more suitable neighborhood for raising a family. Fuang nodded, still concerned. While you have always reliably discharged your debts, it has been opaque to me how you obtain the necessary money. 
This was the sticky point. I couldn't say. I dumpster dive for a living. What then? I have, uh, certain investments. I possess all my family wealth as a sole heir. I have reinvested judiciously, to good effect. Those monies have been fortified by my work in private investigation. That last bit was inspired malarkey. Investigating trash and empty lots, privately, to be sure. I was misleading Fuang. He probably knew it. But he accepted my answer, finished his cup of tea, satisfied for now. The third cup of tea, the ask I had the floor. Fuang had grilled me about my suitability, to his satisfaction. I had the final vow cup of black Vietnamese poison in front of me. Blowing on it, I took an exploratory sip, stalling. Why was this hard? I like Jillian, she likes me. We're doing great, compliment each other beautifully. No storm clouds on the horizon. Mr. Nguyen, I would like. He nodded, encouraging me. I took another deep breath, exhaled. Mr. Nguyen, may I have your permission to, um, court your granddaughter Jillian? To take her out by her gifts, provide her with entertainments as a suitor? With the object of winning her over? There. I said it. And I found I meant it, finally understood once I'd spoken the words. No more confusion about what was going on here. And it felt great. A rush I'd not anticipated. I felt giddy, lightheaded. Probably the caffeine has something to do with that. He sipped his tea, savoring the moment. He may have thought this day would never come to pass, with Kang's predilections. No marriage, no great-grandchildren. The end of his family line, and now he had a second flirty, vivacious, talented, smart woman in his family, whom he could call granddaughter. Who might want to marry and raise a family? I could see his world had appended, resettled into a pattern that he had probably wished for all his life. He spoke. Before I answer, I caution you. Jillian was raised in America, has funny ideas about family. I will have a talk with her, help her understand what duties accompany marriage in a Vietnamese family. Instruct her, as a grandfather should. After that, and provided she is agreeable to being wooed by you, then I give you my qualified permission. I had been holding my breath, let it out with a whoosh. Fuang raised his cup to hide his smile. The rest of the visit passed in a daze. I finished the tea without awareness, said my thanks to Mr. Nguyen, found myself outside his home without really remembering how I got there. I had to tell Jillian. I had passed. It was going to be a long afternoon, waiting for her workday to end. How did it go? I was expressing appropriate interest in my girlfriend's activities, supporting her initiative. Easy to fall into the pattern of the Vietnamese family, everything in response to a duty. Kind of satisfying, knowing what to do and why. She launched her tale, of fear and excitement and growing confidence. Kelly and the boss and the slacker guy. Thai lunch and what would happen tomorrow. I made appropriate noises, encouraging her, making mental notes, so I could respond correctly in future. She went into the bathroom, peed, pulled off her clothes, put on shorts and a top, continued talking but louder. Showed me the blister caused by her new shoes. Knowing I was looking and accepting that as completely normal, I told her where to find moleskin, scissors to treat her blister. When she went for the wrong drawer, I said no. The other one dot she came out, hopping on one foot, struggling with the blunt useless first aid scissors. I sat her down, took the supplies from her, sat cross-legged on the floor and dressed her foot as she ran down. I can do so much for the business, as soon as she lets me loose. She's got plans for expansion, but has hit a limit, only so many hours in the day, too much for her to keep juggling by herself. I fetched the cheap deck shoes left on the porch. Tied them snugly on her feet, keep the moleskin secure. Looked inside to make sure it wasn't too tight, wasn't squeezing the blister. She watched me, amused, not used to somebody serving her, tending to her needs in such a personal way. I could get used to this. You did a nice job. She raised her foot, turned it this way and that, admired my work. Pulled me up off the floor between her knees, into a smooch. Once I could breath again, she remembered to ask me about my day. Did you keep busy? Hey, how did it go with Fuang? My turn to recount the tale of the tea ceremony. How he had two granddaughters now. How I was now his prospective son-in-law, had to ask to date his granddaughter. His grilling, probing questions about my intentions, my resources. How he had given me his blessing. She put her hands to her face, between laughing and panicky. You poor guy. I didn't think my having a sister would make things hard for you. Not just me. You have to go talk to Fuang, so he can instruct you in Vietnamese marriage duties. He's got us hitched and having babies already. She colored prettily. A good thing? I think so. Meant she was embarrassed but taking it seriously too. What should I do? Should I go tonight? What should I wear? 
How do I talk to him? I shushed her, put a finger to her lips, kissed her gently. You will know what to do. You are a natural granddaughter, with perfect instincts. Get in over your head, then get advice from your big sister, that's what she's for. Not my place to intervene in your family affairs. That stunned her, eyes wide. Her family. She had a family, she smiled hugely then, it had hit her, it was real now. Something I think she'd wanted all her life but pretended she didn't need. Her cheeks were suddenly wet. I pulled her up, sat in the stuffed chair, arranged her across my lap, wrapped my arms around her, holding her, protecting her, let the tears fall that I was getting soppy too. Sweetie, let me tell you something about me. I've been on my own so long, running from friendships, hiding from people. I think I was really hiding from me. Now I have you, and Kang, and Fuang, people who simply accept me, respect me, no questions, no fear. It's the greatest thing in my life that I promise I will help you be a sister to Kang. I will be a good son-in-law, a good big brother-in-law. Help keep you three safe. Do everything I can to make life easy for you, for them. And you know I can do a lot, with my goofy skills. All for you, my sweetheart. Anything you want or need. As long as you will have me. She was really going now, wet-faced, snot-nosed, smiling a quivery smile, breath coming in sobs, couldn't say anything but I understood her perfectly.